You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Over 1.5 million people in Ethiopia are living with HIV AIDS, and that number is projected to reach almost 2.5 million by 2015. The number of children orphaned by AIDS in Ethiopia is expected to increase to 2.5 million by 2014. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Joel Heller. Joining me today is Dr. Miriam Rapkin, Associate Clinical Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology at Columbia University. She works for ICAP, which is the International Center for AIDS Care and Treatment Program, where she directs their programs in Ethiopia and Nigeria. Welcome. ICAP, as you said, stands for the International Center for AIDS Care and Treatment Programs, and it's situated at the Mailman School of Public Health at Columbia University. It's basically a center that's an umbrella for um, a large number of variously funded service delivery programs that bring AIDS prevention care and treatment services to both governments and individuals in resource-limited settings. So that we have several different programs with different funding streams working in, in more than 15 different countries. But the unifying theme is that it's a, we deliver services um, to families and children with HIV-AIDS in resource-limited settings. Can you take us through some of the ways the program is funded? Sure. The program's about five years old, and it started with sort of one of our bedrock programs, which is called MTCT+. That stands for Mother to Child Transmission Plus. And that program, which, as I said, is several years old, was initially funded by a consortium of private foundations in the United States and really focused on linking programs that were designed to prevent vertical transmission of HIV in resource-limited settings with services that provided care and treatment to mothers and their children and their families. So whereas previously, sort of prior to 2000, there had been an explosion of what we would call PMTCT programs or programs designed to prevent mother-to-child transmission, there really hadn't been a whole lot of links between those programs and care and treatment. And so MTCT Plus, which was our sort of first large program, worked in 10 and continues to work in 10 different countries to provide those services. And subsequently, we've had additional programs, including ones funded by the federal government and as well as private foundations. And some of our newer programs include PEPFAR-funded programs. So PEPFAR is the President's Emergency Plan for AIDS Relief, and it's basically the United States government's commitment of vast amounts of money to provide prevention, care, and treatment services in resource-limited settings. And so we work with uh, your tax dollars, thank you very much, in 10 different countries in Africa to provide care and treatment services. You talk about having three different focuses, uh, service delivery, training, and research. Can you take us through each of those focus points and how they work? Sure. Um, as I said, the majority of the funding for our care and treatment programs is what I would describe as funding for service delivery. So that although we're an academic institution, these large PEPFAR-funded programs, for example, are really intended to support the strengthening of healthcare systems in resource-limited settings. So we work with ministries of health. We don't set up sort of a Columbia program where we work um, as colleagues with local ministries of health, with local governments, to do uh, an entire spectrum of activities that varies from country to country and might include support for infrastructure, for lab, 
for pharmacy, for procurement of drugs and supplies, for training of staff, and also a lot of a lot of attention on supervision and um, mentor, clinical mentoring and sort of capacity building at the local level to strengthen care and treatment services. Are there Columbia University doctors actually on the ground doing this? In many of our countries, we have country teams, um, so that in Ethiopia, for example, we have an ICAP Ethiopia office. We have about uh, 45 or 50 staff who are full-time staff in Ethiopia. They're ICAP staff, uh, but they're not, it's not like someone from the AIDS clinic here will rotate through, you know, an AIDS clinic in Ethiopia delivering direct care. We have of our Ethiopia staff, most are Ethiopians. They're working within their own healthcare system and providing training, mentoring, supervision, technical assistance of many kinds. Is the money, for example, from PEPFARS, does it come through Colombia to Ethiopia or does it go directly to Ethiopia? PEPFAR is an enormous program. So what I'm going to describe is sort of the program that supports our activities in Ethiopia, which is called Track 1.0 Funding. In our case, that comes through the Centers for Disease Control in the United States and through the Centers for Disease Control in Ethiopia to Colombia, and we then provide some direct services, and we also provide some subcontracted services. So, for example, funds might come from CDC to Colombia to a regional ministry of health in Ethiopia, again, with an emphasis on long-term capacity building, so perhaps the next round of funding can go directly to in-country partners. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Joel Heller, and we're speaking with Dr. Miriam Rapkin, Associate Clinical Professor of Medicine and Epidemiology at Columbia University School of Public Health. Could you tell us uh, some of the challenges that you faced as you've gone through your program in Ethiopia? I think that the challenges we face in Ethiopia are similar to challenges in many resource-limited settings. There are amazing strengths in Ethiopia in terms of level of education of their health professionals. There are more than six medical schools in Ethiopia. There is a real drive um, nationally to fight stigma and discrimination and to roll services out to the Ethiopian population. Um, But there are also enormous barriers. Ethiopia is the fourth poorest country in the world. It has very few healthcare professionals. So for a country of about 77 million people, half of whom are under 18, there are only 200 pediatricians. Someone said to me, I don't know if this is true, but someone said there are more Ethiopian-trained physicians in Chicago than in Addis Ababa, the capital of, of Ethiopia. It's really an extreme challenge to try and deliver continuity care in a setting where healthcare professionals are, are really, really scarce, particularly in the public-funded facilities in which we work, which tend to be rural. They tend to be public facilities. There's a, a lot of brain drain within Ethiopia as well as from Ethiopia to other countries. I would say human resources shortages are an extreme challenge in Ethiopia, as in other countries. There's also difficulties with infrastructure, sort of space in the clinic um, can be at a premium. And there's also the challenge of helping the Ethiopian healthcare system develop continuity care, which in many rural clinics and hospitals is not particularly common. So that helping to develop systems for appointments or systems for medical records that are really needed to deliver high-quality HIV care have been some of our major challenges. Are there some specific success stories since you guys started that you could tell us about? Yeah, 
absolutely. And again, I think they really reflect the strengths of our partners and enthusiasm of uh, the, the folks we're working with in Ethiopia. I think one of the things that has been really novel there um, has been the creation of a peer educator program. So in a country where until recently HIV was highly stigmatized, there were very few people um, willing to sort of publicly disclose their HIV-infected status, you know, like in other countries like here at the beginning of our epidemic. We've managed to support a PWA organization and local Ministry of Health to create a program where at six pilot hospitals, we have helped to train and support patients who are receiving care for HIV AIDS to openly discuss their status, to lead support groups, to provide education to other patients, really to help reinforce linkages between different parts of the hospital, so sort of walk people to their, from one clinic to the lab to get their blood drawn or help people not miss appointments. You know, it's not rocket science. We know that the involvement of patients in any field of medicine strengthens the quality and, and of care. But it's, I think, really an achievement um, to do so in a context where HIV is very highly stigmatized. So that's been something that's really been exciting to see. Of your, of your three focuses, one of them is research. Can you tell us what kind of research and clinical trials you're doing and what some of the results have been? The ICAP, the International Center for AIDS Programs, involves some research programs. But the program, the TREC 1.0 funding from PEPFAR, is not research money at all so that we are, are not, in fact, doing research with uh, care treatment money in Ethiopia. That's not a, c- a component of our program. So what kind of differences have you seen in the five years that you've been there in terms of number of patients you're able to reach um, and how you're able to reach those patients? In Ethiopia, we actually are less than two years old, and we have really seen tremendous growth. At the facilities we support, they're now... Um, more than 25,000 people enrolled, of whom almost 15,000 are, are on antiretroviral treatment. Um, and that's really starting from almost zero. And it reflects, again, the expansion of services in Ethiopia generally. We're working at 37 facilities in Ethiopia, but obviously there are, there are many more than, than 37. And so there's been a tremendous success in terms of accessing some populations, I think particularly urban populations, people who live closer to facilities, we really see good uptake, good adherence, good response to treatment. There are a lot of challenges with more rural populations. Um, I don't want to sound like the glasses is only half full, but I think that the expansion has been remarkable and, again, is, is a real credit to our partners in Ethiopia. Our primary listening audience is primary care physicians. Where can they go to get more information about your programs and things they could possibly do to help? Uh, great question. We have a website, so it's www. Columbia, uh, like the university, not the country, C-O-L-U-M-B-I-A-I-C-A-P, I-C-A-P, in Peter, dot org. We have a lot of information there and information about how to um, donate, although I think really for primary care physicians, activism as, is as important as dollars, uh, support for this particular legislative agenda, which I think is, is really bipartisan, but continued support for our country's really quite generous financial support of AIDS care and treatment worldwide. I think that's really important. Um, You know, look at these issues when you vote. Um, I think that's one thing that I would say. And again, as you mentor students, um, ask them if they're interested in global health. I think that we see increasingly 
that students are interested in, in learning about global health, and, and that, that can be really enriching both for them and for programs like mine. How do, you, how do you integrate medical students with global health training in relationship to this? I'm really lucky to work at the Mailman School of Public Health at Columbia University. It's one campus with both a medical school and a school of public health, and so we have both populations of students, and they really mutually enrich each other. There are, there are obviously some students getting dual degrees, but it creates a really nice climate for students who are interested in, in global health. Many of the faculty here at ICAP are appointed at both the medical school and the School of Public Health. And so a lot of us teach in, the, in public health classes. Um, we mentor students at the School of Public Health and the medical school. And so it, it creates a really nice synergy. I'd like to thank Dr. Miriam Rapkin, who's been our guest today, talking about the International Center for AIDS Care and Treatment Program at Columbia School of Public Health, and its work in Ethiopia. I'm Dr. Joel Heller. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Thanks, Miriam.